You've only got one more week to enter for your chance to win a $100 Amazon e-gift card. Give us your opinions in the fourth annual Your Money, Your Wealth podcast survey, and you'll be in the running. Well, and give us your email address so we know where to send the e-gift card if you win. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and access the survey. The password to fill it out is pure, all lowercase p-u-r-e. U.S. residents only, no purchase necessary. Survey giveaway closes and winner chosen at 4 p.m. Pacific time next Tuesday, August 31st, 2021. So how do you position assets so you pay less in tax without sacrificing growth on your investments? Should young folks be contributing all of their retirement savings to Roth accounts? Asset location is once again the topic. That's today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 340. Also, conversations, not advice, about opening a defined benefits plan versus taking pass-through profits for self-employed folks, gifting tuition for education, making Roth conversions with a special needs child in mind, a correction about inherited Roth IRAs, and plenty of entertaining listener comments. Click Ask Joe and Al on air in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to send in your questions or comments. I'm producer Andy Last with the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson CFP, and Big Al Clopine CPA. And since voice messages get first priority, we'll kick things off today with a voice message about Roth contributions. Hello, Joe and Big Al. This is Cass from Mississippi. And I just want to say I love your podcast and I'm learning so much. I've got a question. Um, If I max out my TSP Roth account, including catch-up contributions, totaling $26,000. Can I also contribute to a separate Roth IRA? Again, I love listening to you guys, and thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you, Cass. Appreciate the phone call. Uh, What do you think, Cal? She's fully funding the TSP Roth, so the Thrift Savings Plan Roth account. So that's similar to a 401k, 403b. Exactly. And she must be 50 or older because that would be the amount for a 50-year-old or older, 26,000. Answer is yes. You can fund a separate Roth IRA. It's completely different rules. So as long as your income is low enough and there's income limitations when you're single versus married, uh, when you're married, once you start making more than 198,000, it starts phasing out. And when you're single... um, it's 125,000 starts phasing out. Phasing out. So 125,000, just know that you, if you're over that and it's adjusted gross income, you can't make a full contribution. Can't make it full. And, and by the time, but when you're single, when, once you hit 140,000, you can't do any. Um, and, but then you can do the back door. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You <laughs> want to go there, but you can. So that's basically making a traditional IRA, which will be non-deductible. And if you don't have any other IRAs, you could then turn right around and convert it into a Roth, pay no tax because you got no tax deduction. And that's a, that's a workaround. That's what a backdoor Roth is. All right. Dear Joe, Al and Andy, I discovered your show a few months ago and have been an avid listener. Well, thank you. Uh, My husband and I have nearly 98% of our retirement savings in pre-tax accounts. 98%. Do you think she did the math? (laughs) <laughs> or she just, or she I would just say spitballing I out. would say that rounds up to 100 <laughs> so pretty much all of it uh, but okay we are 40 and 51 and currently are in the 37 percent marginal tax bracket as it is recommended to place 
are most tax-efficient investments in qualified accounts. How does a couple with all of their IRA assets and tax-deferred accounts position for uh, future tax efficiency without compromising growth? I will start contributing this year to my employer's Roth 401k option to the maximum in order to begin creating some tax diversification. Do Roth conversion at this high of tax rate make any sense? We have $3 million in qualified accounts and will contribute an additional $238,000 a year for the next 17 years. $150,000 of this will be in a cash balance plan. Uh, thank you, D from Irvine. Forgot to mention, I drive a 2013 Chevy Bolt. Chevy Bolt. Right. That's sexy. Yeah, electric. Yeah, 93,000 miles on it. I plan to run it into the ground. All right, D. Okay. So they're in the, how many, they're going to save the next 17 years. Yeah. Okay. So they're 50. They're going to work 67. Yeah. So they've, they've already got $3 million and they're adding another 238,000 per year for 17 years. That's a big number. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really big number. Uh, So what do you think? That's going to be a giant retirement account. It it is. I'm going to do millions, 3 million, uh, 238 is the payment. I'm going to do 17 years. I'll do 7%. Let's see what that is. Uh, 16.8 million. Okay. So that's a pretty good RMD. That, that's that's <laughs> roughly 672,000 RMD. So, I mean, they're always going to be in the highest tax bracket. Yeah. yeah at 37%, sure. does it make sense to do Roth versus 39.6 or something completely higher than that at that type of income in the future? Then all day, every day, do Roth, do conversions. But this is, gets a little bit tricky you would really want to kind of forecast this thing out and then truly believe the assumptions that you're making within the forecast. Yeah. Right. Because 37% is not something to, you know, it, no. it's, it's a pretty high tax bracket. It is. And so they're, you know, they're, they're great wage earners and I can, they, I understand why they have 3 million in, in the, in the tax deferred because they make good income and they're trying to save on taxes. But I guess if we, if we were sitting around, you know, in the wintertime having wine and in the summertime <laughs> having a beer, Right. And just and, chatting about this. Yeah. What would you say? Right. I'm, I'm in a, in, I'm in a fairly high tax bracket as a single taxpayer. Yeah. I go Roth all day long. Right. It's not like, because I know for a fact that I'm going to be a lot happier with compound tax free growth in 20 years. Yeah. Versus wondering, Oh man, did I, did I lose out on a few thousand dollars in tax savings? Right. You'll forget all about the tax savings once you pay it, because you're probably not. Well, maybe these guys are. They're saving. Their well, well, they are. But there's going to say something else. Yeah, I, I think you almost, did. almost I did. I don't think so. Uh, Andy could have deleted it if she wanted. And anyway, but but they're saving a ton, but they're not saving anything outside a retirement account unless that's what the two percent is. Right. Yeah. I mean, everything is going into a cash balance band right. in the 401k. Right. So, so here's another way to think about that, which is if you put more money into a Roth, yeah, you're going to have less tax deduction, but you'll figure out how to spend less, right? And you're going to ultimately be, be in a better position. But one other question she had was about asset location, which we talk about, put your highest performing assets in the Roth and second highest in the, in the non-qualified and your safest in the IRA. Well, that only works when you got good balance. In this particular case, you got 98% of your, your assets in a tax deferred just put your high performing assets in the tax deferred. I mean, that's, you have no other choice. Right. Right. Now, as you start, because to, she has zero tax, right. 98% yeah. in three is not diversified. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But at, at any rate, um, as you get more in the Roth, 
yeah, make sure that you have the highest performing assets in the Roth, but still keep them in the tax deferred. You don't want to not have the right investments. We're just saying when you've got choices, you want to favor the Roth and the non-qualified assets, non-retirement. Those are the asset classes that have higher expected rate of return. Right. <clears throat> so uh, congratulations on the savings that you're doing. Yeah, this the, is this is a star of the year, wouldn't you say? Pretty close. We'll yeah. give you a little five star. <laughs> Since we usually get like a one and a half star review on our podcast, <laughs> but we're going to give uh, all of our a, listeners yeah. a five star yeah, on I, your savings, how much so. money that you've saved. Uh, congratulations. Usually with people that have this much money and save it, they lead with that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Joe and Big Al, I got $3 million and we saved $700,000 a year. Here's my question. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, hi, all. I was listening to your podcast while on my daily five-mile walk. Five-mile walk? It's pretty good. Uh, all right. In your discussion on asset location, maybe question whether I'm giving some incorrect guidance to my kids, both in their late 20s. Uh, they both have followed my advice to save 20% of their gross income for retirement. At this point, their incomes are such that they can put the entire 20% of their savings into the Roth 401k and Roth IRAs without hitting the contribution limits, which is what I advise them to do. Yes. After cons- so, far, so far, so good, Mike. All right. Yes. Giving a little advice on the side after he's walking around. Yeah, listen to our been, podcast. Been thinking about he's it, just like five miles. Listen to us. He's like, I'm going to talk to my kids and <laughs> give them like, some advice, and they're going to think it's super cool. I thought I had it until mile number four. Then I changed my mind. <laughs> then all of a sudden, I listen to podcasts. But all right, where are we at here? <laughs> okay, after considering the asset location discussion, I'm not concerned that I should have advised them to put a portion of their retirement savings in a traditional 401k or traditional IRA or even a regular brokerage account to achieve location diversification. Was I wrong to advise them and put all in Roths? These savings are entirely for their retirements as they have other savings at brokerage and savings accounts uh, for their other financial goals. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I've been listening for a number of years. Your show has always given me a number of light bulb moments. Thank you so much, Mike. Light bulb moments. That's cool. It's like like it's like Snoopy and the, you know, the, that needs a sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ooh, wait a minute. He was walking. Yeah. He's like, okay, I'm going all Roths. Yeah. And then he listened to another it's podcast. Like, oh, oh, wait a minute. Light bulb. Maybe <laughs> yep. we should switch gears here. Uh, Mike, no. There's, uh, yeah, you're right on track. You're right Mike. on track. Yeah. Why go taxable or tax deferred when you can get everything into a tax-free account? If they can grow it tax-free, if they qualify tax-free, Tax diversification is nothing because everything will come out with zero tax. The problem that we see today is people is probably Mike's age, right? Most of our listeners. Uh, well, I wouldn't see that anymore because we have such a variety of listeners. We do. Um, a lot of our clients, right? They come to us and they have just like that last caller, right? 98% of my money is in a retirement account. Yeah. 3% is outside. So there's very diversification there because they didn't learn to kind of diversify as they go. They want everything tax deferred, tax deferred, tax deferred. It would be ideal if everything is tax free. So we do a ton of work for our clients to try to get them diversified from a tax perspective. Yeah, because they're not. Because they're come not. To us. Yes. Right. And so if everything is in a Roth, that is the golden child. That's <laughs> that, ideal. That's, that's the standard. That, that's where you, you want to be. You don't need diversification there. Zero. 
because you're doing diversification to mitigate your taxes. When you have everything in raw, Rob, it's zero taxes. That's pretty good. <laughs> then you won't even pay taxes on your social security at Nothing. that point. Yes. But Mike, here's another thing is while your kids are in their 20s, they probably have lower salaries. They'll probably be in higher brackets later. If they want a little more diversification to get a tax deduction later, let them do that when they're in a higher bracket. Not right now. Now put it everything in Roth, just like what you told them. Yep. I think especially in their late 20s. Yeah. Think of all those years, decades of tax-free growth compounded. Right. Maybe when they're in their, I, I guess, what's your peak earning years? Like not until your 50s, but maybe right, these 50s. guys are, right? Yeah, you're not even there. I know. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> then I'm going to go, then I'm going to go tax deferred when I start making yeah, some money. Yeah, when you start making some money. Right. <laughs> For those of you who are already making some money, properly locating your assets between your taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-free accounts has the potential to improve your returns on your investments by reducing how much tax you pay overall. Get our free downloadable guide on why asset location matters. Listen to our previous asset location discussions, which Mike in Texas mentioned in his question, and watch a refresher video that explains the difference between asset location and asset allocation. All of that is in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. You can access and share all of these free financial resources. You can ask Joe and Big Al your money questions. All of that by clicking the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and get started. Oh, Andy, Joe, and Big Al with the big wallet. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. My wallet's getting pretty big. Giant. <laughs> Uh, I'm a big fan of your show, and I'm really excited to be able to finally ask you a question as I discovered your show about two years ago, and I've gone through all of your pad podcasts dating back several years as I go for a morning walk. Ken, <laughs> your morning walks, it's got to be boring. It's, well, get out. He drives a 2011 Toyota minivan, 175,000 miles on it. I'm a seasonal drinker. And prefer wine in the winter in beer in the summer as it's too hot to drink wine in the summer. Oh, all right. Yeah, you got your yeah, first person you telling you what they're now drinking. Now you can visualize that. Yes. Interesting. Well, well you could you can drink with them in the summer. How about it. that? There you go. All right. Here's my situation. My wife and I are both 54 yow, uh, self-employed, with only two of us on the payroll. We take a modest salary and contribute half of the maximum allowable to the 401k and half to the Roth 401k. 2020 was not a good year for us, but 2021 has been better with an estimate $150,000 net income by year's end. We plan on retiring in six years and are considering open a defined benefit plan to try to maximize retirement savings during the final push. Currently, we have $3.4 million in pre-tax 401k in IRA savings and $100,000 in Roth. We know you're a big fan of Roth conversions, but don't know if we're going to stay in California after retirement. My question is, what makes the most sense for our particular situation? Opening up a defined benefit plan and funding that with the net income for this year or taking profits as a pass-through with a subchapter S is there is a 20% tax advantage on the current tax law and putting the after-tax income into a brokerage account. Also, I heard something, there could be a defined benefit plan with a Roth option. Is that true? And would that make any sense for a particular situation? Love the show. Never miss it and look forward to hearing from you. Ken. All right, Ken. Uh, thanks for the question. So, all right, defined benefit plan. Let's talk about what a defined benefit plan is. Uh, it's the benefit 
that is defined for you. So if you think of like the big corporations back in the 70s, um, in the 80s, they had these big pension plans. You work for the company for 30 years, right? You retire, get the gold watch, and then you get a paycheck for the rest of your life. Right. So you could set those types of plans up as a self-employed individual. Yeah, you still can. Right. So Ken is thinking, hey, should I do a defined benefit plan? And what that really means is that the benefit is defined for you. So you're, you're, you're solving for a future like pension payment date once you retire. And so it kind of blows a defined contribution plan. The contributions are defined. A 401k plan, you can only put X amount in that or a Roth IRA and so on. But with a defined benefit plan, there really is no limit. Well, there is, but you could triple the amount that you can put into a defined contribution plan. Yeah, because I mean, there are limits on what your benefit can be, but it's a lot higher than a defined contribution plan. So, and the older you are and the closer you are to retirement, the more you have to put in the plan so that you get that benefit because you don't have enough time for it to grow. So ba basically when you're in your 50s, I would agree, Joe, I would say you could probably do at least double, if not triple, maybe more in a defined benefit plan than you could in a 401k. Annual compensations used to determine for most plans, 285,000. Right. So if I'm looking at this, Ken, here's what questions that we would have. You and your wife are the sole owners of this company and there's $150,000 of net income, right? Yeah. So defined benefit, the pro to that is that you could shelter you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars into a defined benefit plan. The bad news is, is that you have to consistently fund that plan. You can't just do it one year and say, you know what, let's not do it the next. And, oh, let's do it the following year. You have to be consistent with it because the IRS is saying, well, this is just a tax grab. You know, you set up the plan, you, you funded it one year, and then you don't want to fund it the next. And then you cancel the plan. You know, the IRS doesn't really care for that. You have to be consistent with your funding. So a lot of people don't like that about them because it's like, well, I have to be committed to make that type of contribution. Yeah. The exception there is when people have a lot of assets outside of their business, outside of retirement plans. Like in other words, they have a lot of non-qualified assets. And so they don't really care if the business does well or not, because they got a big pile of money that they can stuff into a defined benefit plan, which can be kind of cool because then you can create a big tax deduction and then go ahead and do a Roth conversion and start getting a whole bunch of money into a Roth. So that's, but we don't know. Ken, what your non-qualified balance is. Right. We, we know he's got a lot of money in retirement. Yeah, we, we do. So at $150,000 of net income, you could split that up between the two of you. you. You could. And then you could set up like a solo 401k plan and a profit sharing plan. You could get up to 50 some odd thousand dollars into those plans you, you and could. almost shelter 100% of their income. Let's see, there's another point here. And that that is, you know, you get the 20% deduction for or the QBI. 199 cap A. Yeah, there you go. So so that's that's roughly $30,000 deduction on 150,000 of profit. And, and that's that's worth considering. And because you got so much in the in the uh, the for the regular 401k IRA anyway. I would, I personally, I would just do Roth 401ks, which don't affect your QBI deduction and call it good. Yep. And then that's put what, everything else into a non-qualified. That's account. what I would do. Set up two Roth solo 401ks for you and your wife, fund those to the max, and then any other extra dollar that you have, fund a brokerage account. Yep. Uh, yeah. All right. We have uh, Linda right in. She goes, dear Andy, etc." What the heck is that all about? <laughs> I'm That's sure like, that was just to piss you off, Joe. It, well, so Andy, we're not so starting off good here. Right now. off the bat, Andy gets top billing. Yeah. And we're not even mentioned. Just we're e ETC, et cetera. <laughs> Period. Oh, God. I hope Joe and Big Al read and answer this question 
on air this time. Oh, she's. I submitted two different questions back in April, a week apart, but didn't hear those Reddit. Yet, even though I listened to every weekend show since then. Wow. So what she's just. Oh, weekend show. So Linda is actually a San Diego radio listener. Got it. So what she's she's given us questions in. Yeah, we don't answer. We don't answer. Yeah, it's probably because she sent them in when the form was broken. Probably. Yeah, we did. Linda, we did have a what, about two weeks where we weren't getting the questions we were supposed to get. It might have been longer than that. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, so. when you when you start out, dear Andy, etc., we just usually just <laughs> toss them. <laughs> True. That's because we haven't read our other questions. All right. <clears throat> Here she goes. What would be the most financial benefit beneficial way for me to pay for my 37 year old son's graduate school? Well, first of all, he's 37. <laughs> <laughs> just get a job. I know what you're going to say. Um, $40,000 per year for four years, starting this year. Almost all will be for tuition in a bit for parking books, a few fees, no room and board. Most of the money will probably come from maturing CDs and RMDs, which start next year. It is worth, is it worth to open a 529 plan for him? If so, I'd appreciate guidance for how to do that and which would be the best version of that to use. What cost should I be aware of if I, if I do go that route? I'd love not to give the government a penny more in taxes than necessary as earnings and 529 plans are, I think, non-taxable. But not if it's a big hassle and will cost me more than trivial non-taxable earnings I could earn in just over a few years in a very non-risky investment. Do I need to know anything about gift tax? I know nothing about it. It sounds dreadful to pay more money in tax. I guess Linda loves taxes. I, I think she doesn't want to pay a penny more than she has to. It just sounds dreadful. To yep. pay more tax on money I already paid taxes on. Yeah. Just to give my son the education he wants. Are there any other options I could use? In case it matters, I'm single from San Diego. 70, 22% tax bracket this year. 24% tax bracket thereafter. My non-real uh, real estate assets are about $1.7 million, including 430000 in a Roth IRA. 340000 in traditional IRA, 43B, $990,000 in a taxable investment. No debt, currently about $15,000 per year from interest and dividends, but that will decrease as I spend on my CD investment. And about $65,000 a year pension Social Security, which covers all my basic living expenses. Much thanks, Linda. All right. <clears throat> Linda's doing pretty good. Yep. She's got a nice nest egg. Uh, her pension Social Security covers her basic needs and wants to give her 37-year-old son a little graduate school cash. Sure, right. 40000 <laughs> Here you see, this is big. This is right up Big L's alley. Is, <laughs> when you have a son or daughter that's in their 30s, you'll understand what this is all about. Got it. Got it. All right, $40,000 per year, Alan. Well, first of all... Um, so one hundred sixty grand. Yeah, yeah. So, so let, let me... Let's let, let's talk about gift taxes because that that's, that was part of her question. I'll start with that, which is which is simply this: if you you're allowed to give anybody that you want to fifteen thousand dollars a year, if you give them more than that, you're supposed to report it on a gift tax return. Like let's say Joe, you decided after this show to give me a hundred thousand. Okay, let's okay. Sounds so, good. So okay, so you you can give me fifteen, but you decide to give me a hundred. All right, so that's you gave me eighty five thousand too much. 
for purposes of gift tax. So you just have to put that on a gift tax return. You don't actually pay tax on it, even though it seems like you would. All that happens is you reduce your unified credit, which basically means that when you pass away, you don't have quite as many assets going to your heirs tax-free. Estate tax-free. Estate tax-free. Yep. Exactly. And right now the state tax exemption is 11.7 million. So it's it's a big number. So per person. Per person. Yeah. So gift tax uh, is is not that big a deal currently. So I wouldn't worry too much about that, but here, here's what you need to worry about, Linda. So I guess to answer that question, so Linda wants to give $120,000 away. Yeah. Right. Um, she could give the 120,000 to her son. Yeah, she can, but there's a better way to do that. If she pays tuition directly, it doesn't count as a gift. The IRS uh, actually uh, forgives that as a gift. So if she gives the money to her son and it's more than 15000 a year, then it counts as a gift. But if she pays the tuition directly, it doesn't count. Okay. Either way, she's not in trouble because her estate is... It's, it's, it's a little bit of extra paperwork, but she can avoid the paperwork by paying the the estate tax, I mean, paying the tuition directly to the university. Got it. Um, okay. Or she could do a 529 plan as well. She could. All right. Uh, 529 plan. Here's the deal with that. <clears throat> you, you put in whatever that you want. If you wanted to start with $120,000, you could. Um, you can put up to, I forget how many years to avoid well, the, the you, exclusion in yeah. the 529 plan. You, you can put in 75000 all up front, fifteen thousand per times five years. So they let you put seventy-five thousand in. If you put more than that, you can. Then you have to file that gift tax return. Okay. Um, so here's the benefit of a five twenty-nine plan: is that any interest or dividends that you earn in the five twenty-nine plan grows one hundred percent tax-free. Right. If it, it, yeah, if it's, if it's used for education. Right. Or it'd be taxable if it's not used for education. Right. So depending on how you want to invest this, your son needs the money in four years. So the 529 plan doesn't make a ton of sense to me because you need, for the compounding tax-free effects to really pay off, you need a lot more years than, hey, he's going to school next year or the year after. Does it make sense for me to put that money into a 529 plan, put it at risk in the overall market to get a return that you could probably lose you know, money into it where that money needs to be spent? Over the next few years. Yeah, I, I agree. There's not a lot of benefit if you're going to need the money right away. And, and in fact, if you're going to need it over four years, it's going to be in really safe investments anyway. And what are safe investments paying? Almost nothing. nothing. Yeah. So it seems like kind of an exercise for not much benefit, yep. unless you want to save a couple of dollars. Right? Yeah. And she wants to not spend any <laughs> dollars. She doesn't have to. The cost of a 529 plan, there's no cost, right? It's real. I mean, there's cost to the investment inside. Well, sure. Well, sure. Yeah, but, but that's true of anything. I mean, it's, right, right. It's not like you you open up a five twenty nine plan it, and it costs you a thousand bucks. Yep. Yeah, it's it's free. It's just an account. Right. Uh, just like any brokerage account or or custodial account. Yeah, I think the thing you have to know about those plans is they're they're administered by the state, and every state has a five twenty nine plan, and every state has different investments. So take a look at the plans. Take a look at what investments you would like and and just it doesn't matter what state you pick. Yeah, because California, if she lives in San Diego, there's no real benefit of a 529 plan in in, in California. Right. If right. you're in different states, there's you can write off uh, like a state tax deduction, if you will, right. if you contribute. So you get a little bit of better tax break because you get a deduction for putting the money in. And then it comes out tax free. Yeah. But it's it's different with every state. Yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Pennsylvania has that and other states. 
states. California does not. So if you live in California, it doesn't really matter what, what state, what state you, you pick for your 529 plan. But there's not there's not really a lot of benefit here if you're going to be using the money right away. Right. And, and like to, to put it this way, if you like Vanguard, you don't want to use California's plan because California's plan is administrated by, I believe, Tia Kraft. Yeah, I think you're right. And then so Vanguard is, I believe, Utah. Yeah, I right. think. And that could be, I, I actually, years ago, when my kids were in college, I'm not paying for college anymore, <laughs> uh, is uh, I actually picked Nevada for that reason. They they had Vanguard. Right. So yeah. you, you could just look at, um, you know, you could Google it and say. Yeah, see it, what investments each state has. Right. Um, so I, I know it's a little confusing. You're using a Utah plan or a Nevada plan, but wait a minute, they're not going to go to school in Nevada. They're going to go to school in California, or I don't know where they're going to go to school. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Correct. It's, um, it, it sounds more confusing than it is. Yeah, true. All right, Linda, hopefully that helps. And it's Andy's fault that we missed your questions. Thanks. <laughs> So if you've asked Joe and Big Al within the last few months and didn't get an answer, you too might have sent it in while the form was busted. It's fixed now, so click Ask Joe and Al in the podcast show notes and send it in again. Hey, do-it-yourselfers, the DIY Retirement Guide is our special offer right now at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, but it's only available for the next few days. This free 48-page guide has steps to understand and plan your retirement income, strategies for choosing a tax-efficient distribution, method, tips on preparing for the unexpected, and so much more. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the podcast show notes right now and download the DIY retirement guide before it's gone. You've only got until Friday to download the guide to get yours now. To get a free, comprehensive, personalized look at your overall financial situation by a certified financial planner professional on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors, click the get an assessment button in the podcast show notes. Dear Joe and Al, I have a little one-off question regarding converting a Roth for our special needs daughter. All right. Uh, we currently live in San Diego, but plan to move back to Texas after retirement within the, fi- uh, within the next five to seven years. We have a 21-year-old special needs daughter that we have been financially planning for since age three. Currently, we have $4.6 million in taxable IRAs, family trust, an inherited IRA, fifty thousand, excuse me, fifty thousand dollars in a Roth and two hundred thousand dollars in cash, with two million dollars in home equity, and another two point two million dollars in stock options with my current company. Our daughter has one hundred ninety thousand dollars in a trust that she received at eighteen. All of our accounts are managed by our personal financial advisor. My question is, what can we do? towards converting some funds to a Roth for our daughter to reduce her tax burden down the road. We're currently taking the forced distributions from the inherited IRA of about 44,000. I often listen to your show and I know Roth conversions are high on your list, but I'd like to know how this could work with our special needs trust because you often take note. I drive a slightly modified 2003 350Z. How's that? That's Is that a, a Nissan? That's a Nissan. Yeah. Is that like one of those little two seaters? That, that was one of the cool cars years ago. It's like super badass. Right? <laughs> it was. Yeah. Right. You can pull that, pull that up for us. Yeah. I'm working on it. I got it. For you. <laughs> right. Are they, are they in the archives? I think it used, right to be called, used to be called a 280Z. So I don't know where 2350Z. 350Z. It's, 
well, 350 it's, is the size it's, of the it's, engine. It's, it's bigger. Better. It's faster. Yeah, it's better. Well, look at that. Yeah, I do remember those. Those are kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, oh, I like uh, it with the purple underneath. <laughs> yeah. Scott. Okay. So, all right. Let's let's answer Scott's question. Okay. So, I believe, um, if I'm reading this correctly, the, his daughter has $180,000 sitting in a special needs trust. Yeah, that's what and it says. I believe that that $180,000 is just a brokerage account. It's, yeah, I would, it's, I would it's, guess so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. And so he is looking at how do I convert funds for my daughter when he passes? Or no, I don't think so. I think it's before they pass so that she has more tax-free income. I'm, that's how I read it. Okay. But she doesn't have an IRA. Right. Right. So if she had an IRA, we could talk about a strategy for her converting, but she doesn't. It no, sounds no. like she just has the $200,000 sitting in trust for her. Yeah. He wants a conversion strategy for her daughter. Well, I think he wants a conversion strategy for himself so that the, his daughter will inherit a Roth rather than a regular. Yeah, IRA. that's what I thought. When he dies, yeah. that she would. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in other words, converting while he's living. Got it. Yep. yep. That's what I think. And we don't have the breakdown. It says 4.6 million in taxable IRAs, family trust, and inherited IRAs. So we don't really know how much of that's IRAs versus non-IRAs. So it's hard to tell. But we do know but, that they're taking the forced distribution from the inherited IRA of 44K. Yeah, but which is probably, how old is this? Oh, Scott. Doesn't say. He's going to retire in five to seven years. I and bet their that, daughter's 21. 50s, maybe. Yeah, the inherited IRA is probably, what, 1.5 million? Yeah, probably. A little yeah. bit higher than yeah. that, even? yeah. Yeah, that's probably right. But something else I'll say, just looking at this, they have $2.2 million in stock options. uh, Scott does with his current company, which probably means a lot of the 4.6 million is non-qualified coming from stock options. So I don't know how much is an IRA. So So I guess let's talk about the rules of retirement accounts and gifting and trying to give that to kids. Yeah. Is that retirement accounts can only be established by individuals that have earned income. Right. So- you can't necessarily gift a Roth IRA to a special needs child or to a grandchild or to a yeah. spouse. You could, you could gift non-retirement accounts into her the daughter's special trust. That would be okay. But I think where he's asking us, he's like, yeah, I've never heard of a strategy of a, a conversion strategy for this. Yeah. And because you can't, I mean, unless you want to have a conversion strategy for your life that you convert most of your retirement accounts and then your daughter inherits the Roth IRA. I think that's what he's asking. She will have to pull the money out within 10 years. It's logical to me and you because we do this every day, but I right. think for some people that don't really know, sure. they're like, hey, I would like to get my daughter a tax-free account. Yeah. How do I set it up? For How her? do I set it up for her? Because it's not going to affect maybe yeah. the special needs trust because it's going to grow tax deferred. And then yeah. if she needs to pull the money out, it's going to be tax free. So, so here, here's a thought though. And then again, I don't know how much is in the IRA. That would be a good thing to know here. But um, I think if your daughter is special needs, potentially quali- would qualify for a tax uh, category of disabled, then that means the stretch IRA would actually still continue. It's not a 10 year withdrawal under the secure act. So maybe the RMD for the daughter. Now, now I'm, I'm, I'm projecting forward, Scott, when you guys pass away and daughter inherits, if she can still do the stretch because she, she's disabled, maybe the RMD isn't really that big. And maybe you don't need to worry about it too much. That's one thought. Second thought is if you got 2.2 million in options uh, and you're still working, uh, you probably have pretty high income right now. So don't, don't do any Roth conversions until you retire. 
and you live in Texas. So, so put a hold on that. Wait till you retire. You, your stock options are, are done with, and you live in Texas, then, then convert to your heart's desire in lower brackets. Okay. Um, I don't know if that helped or not. Probably not. <laughs> At least it, it, I think, well, that's how I read the question. Our Roth conversions high on your list now. Sure. <laughs> I dream about them. God, I go to sleep, think about them as I wake up. I, I wake up in the morning. Oh, <laughs> hallelujah. Another day to think about Roth conversions. Can't wait. I'm still alive. Hey, Big Al and Little Joe. Joe said something incorrect when speaking about the Roth for the guy trying to game the ACA. Joe said, the sooner you get the money in the Roth, the better off you're going to be. And he's got this in quotes. It's like he's just listening to every yeah. word I say. Well, it probably, it probably came from the show notes, right? Probably. Transcription. Uh, do you get compounding tax-free growth for your entire life? True. For your wife's life? True. And for your kid's entire life? That's false. Yeah, that's false. Agreed. Yeah. It used to be true. It used to be. Yep. Yeah. And I don't remember saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I might, he must have listened to an old episode well, before yeah, the Secure Act. Before the Secure Act, which wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So actually, I, I will say, I think that was in the most recent episode. Sorry, Joe. Got it. The Secure Act uh, doesn't allow kids to stretch anymore. They only get the 10 years after the age of majority, which are special stretch rules if a child has a disability. Otherwise, it's 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Thanks, Greg. Okay. Keep Joe honest. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Remember that when we blew up something about the TSP? Oh yeah, battle zone about the military. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Got we... a whole bunch of corrections on that. Yep. So appreciate your comments. Got a couple new one stars, which are my favorite. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, this guy goes cashed out Calpers pension. Are you guys insane? <laughs> okay. Enough said. So one star. He was like very adamant. He the... thought we were crazy. We're insane. Yeah. Enough said. Take the pension payment, a lifetime monthly annuity uh, for probably another 40 years. 40K rolled into an IRA is no way going to provide her more to live off for her life. Yeah. And I agree with that. I think, did she have shortened life expectancy? I don't know. I don't remember the call. I remember um, very little of it. But there was a reason why I think we were saying because she needed the cash to pay for some nursing home care, if I remember correctly. Anyway, I don't know. Sorry about that. Yes. I mean, we're spitballing here. We're not giving advice. <laughs> can I throw that caveat again? Of course you can. For all compliant purposes. Right. Alan and I are just here chatting. We're taking a break from our busy lives right. and trying to give you guys a little bit of insight. Um, in the financial planning world. Yeah. And the reason why it's chatting and not advice is because we don't have near enough information. We, we don't know any of you. Yeah. We're, we're just, we're just going off what little we know from your questions. And we don't want you to write a five page question because we're not going to read it because it's, it's too it long. Does, it doesn't work. So <laughs> keep your questions coming. The length is good. It's just that we don't have enough facts to give you a hundred percent answer with certainty. Right. We're, because we're, just, we, we're, we're fiduciaries, right? Right. So, so we're just trying to do the best we can with the information that we have. And it's just, it's, it's a chat is what it is. So we got another great one. One star in my opinion, Andy and Al are excellent. Joe adds little value to the show. <laughs> Often appears bored. Yes. You got, you nailed that. The show is terrible. Uh, B littles his callers. And really should consider retiring. 
Wow. <laughs> we just got that one a few days ago. That must have been from the last podcast. Oh, really appreciate it. You must have got off on something. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I mean, that's something. And the, the name is Real Life Ninja. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a real life ninja. He's going to kick my ass. <laughs> Watch if, you every, if you don't retire, I'm going like, to whip a Chinese star at your I ass. I wouldn't go out at night for a while until that, oh, that podcast kind of becomes old <laughs> history. <laughs> this, this was like two, day, two days ago. Show. You're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Those, those star things, those look like they hurt. He's got some magic dust. I'm going to come out of the elevator. Poof. <laughs> He's gonna wow, kicking my ass. <laughs> well, I can't believe you belittled my question. <laughs> you better, I'll, I'll, you better get a bodyguard for a while. Oh, god, all right. Oh, uh, we got a we got a five star. There we did. Okay. Here we go. Good. Uh, listen, learn, and be entertained. If you care about getting smarter about your money, including asset allocation, retirement readiness, social security, withdrawal strategies, etc., this is a must listen. Plus. These guys laugh out loud funny. Yes, oh. they do. They do laugh out loud. That is true. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we don't fake that. Oh, nope. God. I love the, the real life ninja. <laughs> <laughs> Joe has little value. Just He's bored. <laughs> guys, he's a half idiot. You should hear him try to read a question. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Boom. And hey, if you want to tell us more about your opinions, you can always fill out the podcast survey. Yeah, why don't you okay. tell them about that? Yeah, Andy? right. Yeah. So yes, need... you can go to any of the most recent podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and you can uh, tell us your opinions about the podcast. Let us know if you think that Joe should retire ASAP uh, and everybody who does enter and gives us their email address will be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. So that's worth it right there. And you know what? We got so many spam uh, submissions because people were trying to get that hundred bucks that I actually had to put a password on the survey. So the password is pure, all lowercase. No one's going to fill it out with 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 the. We've already password. had a, quite a number of people who have filled it out. Really? Yeah. Those passwords get me every time. That <laughs> are as hard as pure. <laughs> All lowercase. That, that capital is that not capital? Uh, we we got to get like a last pass or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. So, somebody has uh, already told us in the podcast server that uh, other topics they'd like to hear discussed are Joe's dating strategies, Ooh, Al's oh. favorite fanny pack for his hikes, and Andy's favorite live concerts she's attended. Wow. Okay. We can definitely pencil those in. I, I love <laughs> packs i don't have own a fanny i don't have a fanny guaranteed you have a fanny pack. i do not have a fanny pack you have hiking poles i do yep and a fanny pack i don't have a fanny pack you walk on the street with hiking poles and alan we also got to walk down the hall with hiking poles in my fanny pack somebody says they want an offer to join your mlm because they believe in you and want to be their own boss oh look at that your llm MLM, his multi-level marketing scheme. You got one. Yeah, apparently. I've got to start <laughs> to do with fanny, fanny packs, packs, I'm sure. If, uh, if I can teach you how to sell more fanny packs than uh, you can imagine. And then you teach your friends. So yeah, I could see you like with like short, short cargo shorts. <laughs> Remember like uh, Tom Selleck in the day? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a little side pocket. Yeah, yeah, right. Yep. right. Yep. Sticking Khakis. out the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, thanks all. We'll see you next week. Uh, show's called Your Money Well. Hey, I wanted to mention that uh, our transcriber, my mom, broke her wrist last weekend, so we won't have any episode transcripts for a little while until she's back to being able to type. Heal up soon, Mom. We all love you. So far in the podcast survey, it's about 54% of you have said that you like the derails the most out of everything in the show, so you'll be happy to hear that there are a ton of them at the end of this episode. Only one week left to fill out that survey in the podcast show notes for your chance to win 100 bucks. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. So do you have a concept of seasonal drinking? No, (laughs) I don't think so. No, I do. I'm not going to take Ken up on that. And he lived in San Diego. It's not that co- <laughs> in the winter. It's too chilly. Right. That's right. <laughs> so I prefer. I don't want ice cold beer. I want room temperature wine. Like a, because, a because I only drink outside. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this guy was from Minnesota for sure. Yeah, right. Or something. <laughs> Joe and Big Al with the big wallet. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. My wallet's getting pretty big. Giant. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we call him Big Al. I need a new one. I can't fit the money in. George Costanza style. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Five miles? That's yeah. a long walk. That's that takes a, a lot of time. It does. It's that's about that's about ten thousand steps. I I do that each day. Wow, look at Big Al with his brain. I got my. What I got time my do you step, wake up, Al? I got my step counter. I just do it throughout the day. Like today, I, ah, I took okay. about. He walks up and down his stairs, <laughs> yeah. like four hundred <laughs> times before he leaves the house. I went. Yeah, well, I do sometimes, <laughs> but uh, yeah, today I walked about thirty-five minutes at lunch. Oh. Five mile walk. All right. Um, I'm really impressed with Mike. Yeah, I'm really impressed with you, Al. <laughs> what's what's your step count so far today? I don't I don't wear any of those. It's on your phone. Those gadgets. No, I don't I carry my phone. Oh, you don't carry I don't even have my phone with me. Oh, okay. Well, then you won't know. So, um, I do a lot of miles. You'll Peloton. I know you do. Yeah, that's where you count it. Yeah, and um, I gotta start. Well, if you want to start doing a competition, Al, I'm in the game. <laughs> You can't beat me on steps. Oh, just okay. Now <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to do it out of spite. That's good because people hear snippets. You know, snippets. 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 <laughs> that a new word. <laughs> I like that word. Snippets. It's like Fitbit. Snippet. Wow. It's hit to replace snippets. And that was... <laughs> well, you got me thinking about walking miles and snippets. And... Oh, my God. Snippet. It's a good snippet. I like that word. I'm going to use that now. What, what, the, what the hell's the word? What is You're it? You're coming up with our whole own language here. It's snippets. Snippets. I like snippets better. So do I. <laughs> I'm going to say that now. <laughs> Just don't say it around Joe. You won't be able to carry on the conversation. Oh, God, I'm sweating. Like, oh. 
that's hilarious i just sound like an idiot i can't believe anyone <laughs> listens to this show <laughs> it's like oh my god i did watch a decent movie you did yes and i'm not a big marvel person yeah are you a big marvel guy no no i watched the old uh the black widow okay scarlett johansson yeah i like her i mean yeah, me too yeah. and I, I i thought it was entertaining i would watch it just for her yes you yeah. know she's suing disney I, I heard that. Yes. Yep. I didn't hear why, but I just saw because the here's what my very limited, really poor internet research came up with. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I'm assuming that she had part of the back end income yeah. from the deal. Oh, she feels like she wasn't paid right. Right. So yeah. she, you know, I was shocked that she was like, she's one of the highest paid actresses of all time. Right. And so she wants, or I think in the contract, it was like, okay, well, let me get back in deal um, of, you know, box office right. pr- proceeds. Yeah. But what Disney did is they put the movie out on streaming on the Disney oh, channel. So, so they didn't count that as box I office. I guess not. Oh, okay. Is what my... That's your crack research Yeah, team? that's my crack research. That's you? Yeah, that's me. Just okay. reading like two sentences. Got it. Okay. But All right. I knew that she was upset that... They put the streaming out the same weekend as the box office, and Got she it. lost fifty million dollars. Got it. Okay. So, well, that's kind of pretty cool. But Disney's like, "How dare you?" <laughs> During the COVID pandemic, don't right. you think people deserve to see you kick some ass <laughs> in the comfort of their own home? You, you you get to know a person, right? Right. It's like you know, it's that beer test, or the, the you know, if you go out to a drink with someone, and then you can kind of see. If I go out to drink with a guy, right, and I'm going to order a Coors Light and maybe a little sidecar of a Fireball, and right. if he orders a White Claw, yeah, right, I'm just, that's it. You're you're done. Well, well one and done. <laughs> you can't be my friend. I, I just you know, uh, but you know, you get another guy, you might have a mixed drink, a little Jameson, yeah, or, or you know, I like the seasonal guy, or maybe maybe you put a little Jameson in your beer. You could do that too. Yeah. That yeah. would be interesting. Yeah, that would be called a. Um, there's um, a term for that. Yes, it's I don't know what it's called. Something, something car. Um, Sidecar? Side? No, um, Irish car bomb. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. Okay. Irish car bomb. 